Welcome to the Voice of Fandom Podcast. The one place where you, yes, you, you, the viewer, the fan gets to connect and interact live with the host and talk about your favorite sports team, athlete, or game of the week. And speaking of host, he's straight up, straight to the point. And with a mic in his hand, he lets you know he don't give a sh. Former pro wrestler and your host, Kingston Robinson. And here we go. Another week. <clears throat> Crazy things just keep happening and happening. I mean, I was getting up, making my coffee, getting my, you know, my notes together and all that. And then my iPad starts popping off. And my iPad is usually my like go-to thing for all of my you know around around the league notifications. I usually try to leave my phone to be my phone. Um and even though they still kind of converge in some kind of way, I, I try to keep them separate. But my iPad is, you know, I watch my red zone on my iPad. I uh, keep up with, you know, other teams that I'm not watching at the time. And then, of course, all of my uh, sports notifications. And then, of course, what starts happening again? Everything starts burning down. COVID Welcome is to the voice okay. of fandom. All right. all right. My God just decided to come back. <laughs> uh, but the league starts burning down and it's like, Oh, here we go again. Another week, another time that we don't really know if we're going to make it or not. Uh, but we've gotten through the halfway point. Uh, last week we gave out some awards last week. We talked about that. We are very happy to be at this point so far, but let's talk about it. So the Steelers reported just about an hour and a half ago, um, that Big Ben and a few other players have gone on the COVID-19 reserve list. Now, a lot of this was due to uh, close contact tracing, um, according to Vance McDonald, when he tested positive. And this really originally stems from the fact that um, they played a game against the Ravens and Marlon Humphreys tested positive. Um so this this could get real ugly real quick because now we have gone almost two weeks since that Ravens game, and we're starting to see positives on the other side of the ball. Um, yes, they did uh, the COVID protocol throughout the week, but also the Steelers did play against the Cowboys. So now the Cowboys are on a bye. So they're going to be quarantined, which they have a better chance of coming out of this scot-free than anybody because they just go straight into a buy. But the Steelers have something to worry about right now. And it's not Big Ben and his no knees right now because he suffered a double knee injury. Um, and with that double knee injury, who knows what's going to linger, if he's going to be able to heal up between now and the Cincinnati game, because honestly, Honestly, and this is not me poking the bear. This is not me uh, trolling or anything like that. This is me being a, a thousand percent honest. That Cowboys game with the Steelers showed how flawed, how underpowered, and how absolutely a thousand percent correct I have been 
about this Steelers team this entire time. That Cowboys game that was headed by the big dog, uh, Garrett Gilbert, AAF Apollo quarterback, AAF MVP, uh, signed like what feels like 45 years ago uh, to the NFL, Cleveland Browns, uh, and then nothing. And now he's here, and he looked at this Pittsburgh Steelers team, which it's not like he had a bye week to come off of. It's not like he knew he was going to be the starter because, you know, this time last week, that was not the case. And not only that, a few days after that, we were hearing that Cooper Rush could be taking the starting role of the Dallas Cowboys. So he was not in a position to succeed. A lot of times, even veteran backups get that excuse. Oh, you know, they they came in. They didn't find out they were going to start until Friday. They didn't take first team snaps all week. That is usually an excuse for a Joe Flacco and Nick Foles, uh, you know, a, a veteran seasoned backup quarterback. Garrett Gilbert goes in there and gives the Pittsburgh Steelers hell. Now, I said at the very beginning of the game, if he just takes care of the football, it should be, it shouldn't be a blowout. Because what did I say last week? Steelers, you better put 45 to 50 points on this Cowboys team. Their defense is in a sell-all mood. It seems like every other week we're getting a you know word or notification or starting the game cast off with so-and-so has been traded here, so-and-so has been let go here, so-and-so is sitting on the bench, and then you know, a few days later we find out oh, they've moved over here. Their offense is still very much intact. Uh, Tony Pollard, Ezekiel Elliott, C.D. Lamb. You know, you, you have all of your weapons still. They are lacking tremendously at tight end. Uh, but Gilbert made it seem like, and not made it seem, he brought to light, he shined a light on the Steelers team and let them know all you have to do is be behind a semi-formidable offensive line and have a weapon or two and don't turn over the ball. And then all of a sudden, this undefeated juggernaut of a Steelers team is not that scary. Fifth string quarterback. <clears throat> you know, barring injuries, most of the time your fifth string quarterback is a uh, your holder, maybe your punter, maybe a tight end or fullback. But due to injury of losing three to injury, you know, you have to pick between four and five or sign a guy off the street and hope he's got some zip on the ball. And how, how did the Cowboys do it? It wasn't coaching. Mike McCarthy is not. He's not that guy. I'm sorry. Um, it, it's not extreme quarterback play or they would have won. Honestly, it wasn't a explosive running game where you just, the fifth string quarterback just hands off the ball and that's what happens. No, it's just because the Steelers are not that good. They're not, they've abused 
bad offensive lines. They've abused bad quarterbacks. And then just taking advantage of it by running a conservative offense and Ben not turning over the ball. That's it. That's all it is. When you look at the only two undefeated teams that's ever done it before, they've been great at everything. Special teams, offense, defense. They've had clutch moments that even in tough games, they are the ones that pull them out of the hole, not the team sinking and they staying afloat. There's a big difference. There is a big difference. Do I think this team will go undefeated? I don't think so. And if they do, guess what? They're going to hit the road and they're going to get bounced that ass out in the first round of the playoffs. And I think it would be the most poetic swan song, as people are calling this year for Big Ben that there is because he has had this mindset that he's turned his life around. He wants to be a better teammate, a better husband, a better, all that. I get it. And that is great for him, but he's also had this mindset of, I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this for my teammates. I'm not playing for me. I'm playing for my teammates. I appreciate my teammates so much. And as great as that is to hear on camera for the media or all that, that is one of those mentalities that dogs have. That's one of those mentalities that the Deion Sanders and, and the, the Eric Berries, the Derek Thomases, the, you know, those, those, that killer instinct. That's, that's what you need. You don't want to just hand that over. That's one thing that I didn't like too much about Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck is an incredible quarterback, but he was just so nice. He always said the right media thing. He's also kind of a weird guy, like flip phone, plastic bag. You know, he doesn't carry a wallet. Uh, <laughs> it's just weird. He's very smart. He's a very nice guy. But I felt that he was just too nice for the league. And you see, <laughs> that's that's what happened to his body. He was literally too nice. He didn't have that dog mentality. And, and Big Ben forfeiting that dog mentality shows on the field. He's not playing with that same intensity anymore. And no, you don't need, you don't need that intensity and you need to like run around and make a whole bunch of plays or anything like that. But you can just tell he doesn't have that dog in him anymore. And you know what that's going to lead to? That's going to lead to games like Dallas, where you get exposed and you're just sitting there looking up at the sky and just hoping that their drive falls apart. Like, come on. You mean to tell me I saw a Steelers bench, this undefeated juggernaut, look at Gilbert, the AAF MVP a league that couldn't even finish a season. They looked at that man jogging on the field and they are looking up and praying. They are looking up at the screen, hoping that their drive falls apart. Unbelievable. 
unbelievable. Uh, the moment that that game ended, I posted on all my social media that Steelers fans should not say anything after this because I saw the look on Ben's face. I saw the look on James Conner's face, Juju's face, all that, because, of course, the telecast is going to show them. And I'm sitting here like, I can't believe after this shitty game in Jerry World, I'm sitting here watching this on my television. And you mean to tell me, you mean to tell me that y'all look like this. Now, there's one side of the narrative where people are saying, hey, they needed a game like this. They needed a kick in the teeth. They needed an ego check. They're going to come out and put 40, 50 points on everybody. <laughs> Fuck that. I don't believe it because their offense is just not good. And they're not going to be one of those defensive led teams that, you know, take the ball away and the offense always scores because guess what? Their defense has taken the ball away and their offense still doesn't really score. They can't run the ball mentioned in the chat right now. They can't run the ball. James Conner, not doing very well at all. They're back up. I can tell you how well he's doing because I can't even remember his name. It's bad. <laughs> And it's sad because they miss a Le'Veon Bell caliber running back. They don't have him. They miss an Antonio Brown caliber receiver. They don't have him. They are both now playing on Super Bowl caliber teams. But what? speaking of that, news alert. What the fuck is happening in Tampa Bay? You know, I, I, I named this episode Frauds, and I find it very interesting that the first two teams that we speak of in that, and this is not even in my notes, this just happened by natural, natural segue. The first two teams that we talk about are the Pittsburgh Steelers and now the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What the fuck happened? I'll tell you exactly what happened. I'm going to sip some coffee first so you guys can get get a fresh, fresh take on what's about to happen. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are exactly what I said they were. It, it is funny how we're about to walk into the final stretch of the season and everything I have said from episode one to now is coming to light. Every single thing. <laughs> what did I say about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? They're a great paper team. Oh, Tom Brady, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Leonard Fournette, Shady McCoy, Gronkowski, a young promising defense. Bruce Arians finally easing up and letting Tom Brady adjust the system to how Tom Brady likes. They're in a division that they could easily own like the AFC East, like, like Tom Brady did. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I've said from the very start of this, continuity is important. 
I've said from the very start of this that no matter what you do in this season, continuity is very important. If you do not buy in to team continuity, you're going to fall apart because there is no, I, I hate to say this over and over again, but there was no preseason. There was no um, preseason games. There is, there's none of this. So when, when that comes up, all of these new pieces that you keep bringing into a system can't get adjusted as well. Can't digest the beginnings the beginnings of your playbook of your install so now we're rolling in mid-season and there's still some slip-ups there's still some those important to detail things that haven't been digested yet by the team are now starting to come to light because there are teams with continuity there are teams that just needed to get healthy that are now showing you who they are the saints is one team that i constantly said they're pretty much a full entire team. They're the same team from last year. We know what they can do and where they've been. All they need to do is get their shit together. And unfortunately, they got their shit together right in front of Tom Brady's face. Tom Brady should be embarrassed in the fact that he had to kick a field goal to save face of not getting blown out. And then what, what happened to this team? What happened to Tampa Bay? They, they are so enamored with adding new toys and tricks here. I felt like Tampa Bay has been looking at Twitter too much. You know, when you look at social media too much and you start getting enamored by things that other people have, you start to buy into the concept of what social media has given you. You know, you look at social media even more about things you don't have because then once you start to look it up then you know the algorithms kick in and all that now all of a sudden every day you are looking at something on social media that you don't have i feel like tampa bay got trapped into that circle i feel like tom brady got trapped into that circle because what was the big thing that's happened the past two years oh well you know if tom brady had Mahomes's weapons he would be doing this and that as well and then Tom Brady got out of town, found a new town, warm weather, and now has Mahomes-like weapons, a gang of wide receivers, good tight ends, a stable of running backs, a very good defense, and he's getting, he's putting up three points in a divisional game and getting swept by the Saints. Tom Brady in Tampa Bay, got into the social media ganjutsu. <laughs> they looked up something that they really wanted, and then the algorithm kicked in, and ads started popping up, and then you saw other people with this thing that you don't have. Then you saw another person and another person, and now you are trapped in this system of seeing something that you really want. You finally go out and get it, and the algorithm got you. It sold you because you got something that was sold to you. At the beginning, it was just an interest. Then you then you bought in too much. That's Tampa Bay. So yeah, they got all the names. Yeah, they got all the people that they want. 
they did it at the wrong time. If this was a regular season, I promise you, if this wasn't the season where your facility has to get shut down every other day, you have to go on these Zoom calls, you can't practice in person, you have to, you know, social distance in your in your physical, your workout routines and all that, but you can go on the field and still do walks. If it wasn't that kind of season, Tampa Bay would be on another level. Especially with this whole Antonio Brown's living in Tom Brady's house and all that. It, it's very odd to me. But it would be a very different season. Unfortunately, that is not it for Tampa Bay. And that's why you see a lot of teams that are getting pieces they have to rely on. It's not working out as well. Look around the league. Most teams that have new quarterbacks are losing games. Tampa Bay, the L.A. Chargers, New England, all, all, these, all these teams are not doing well, and they all have new quarterbacks because they have a position that is new, that is heavily relied on, and they just don't have the time to educate that major piece. It's a big deal. Now, I will say one team, one team that kind of duped us is Miami Dolphins. Everyone knows that the people that watched Tua knew that Tua was going to be Tua. That was just one of those things. The only thing that any Tua fan would say when Tua got into the league was, we just don't know how he's going to do after this injury. That was it. But the biggest thing was, we don't know how how things are going to go with Miami. Are they going to, you know, create the right system around them? Are they going to let Tua be Tua? Are they going to be too overprotective? I get that, especially after seeing how things go in Philly, that you would want to put some bubble wrap around your investment. Because Carson Wentz has shown over and over again that injuries will kill your draft stock. And of course, there's several thousand other examples, but just using recent examples for, for my listeners. But Tua showed, and I think in one of the best showcasings you can do, because Arizona is a very promising team. Arizona almost <laughs> is built like what the Dolphins want to be. Except for the Dolphins are showing that they're extremely better on defense, but Arizona kind of has the blueprint of the, the, the road that Miami wants to walk. And then Tua showed up, showed out. And when you would think, oh, you know, maybe the Rams game was kind of like a showing of, oh, maybe this kid still has a lot to learn and things to do and all of that. I don't know, because he looked very comfortable behind a not-so-good O-line. The, Miami's Dolphins, the Miami Dolphins do not have a very good O-line. And he's still balled. He played to a ball. Escaping out of the pocket, throwing on the run. Throwing at different arm angles. Letting that little, that little left arm go. He's, he's playing to a ball. 
And that is very fortunate for the Miami Dolphins. That shows that Brian Flores did make the right decision, as, at least as of right now. He made the right decision to move on from Ryan Fitzpatrick because maybe, just maybe, who would have known that the head coach probably sees a little more than we do? Who would have thought? But we will see how things go because, <laughs> crazy enough, the Miami Dolphins are in second place in the AFC East, and the Bills are up top, and that's just where we are. Now, does Bill Belichick pick up his, his scraps from the game that the Jets just showed the giant middle finger to all of us that they are trying to lose every single game? Does Bill pick up the pieces and say, you know, we're going to go on a run. We're going to make it into these playoffs because now they are making a way or at least proposing a way for it to be a 16-team playoff bracket. Does Bill have the capabilities of doing that with this undermanned, underpowered New England offense and this undermanned and what seems to be oddly underdisciplined New England defense? I don't see it happening. I just don't see it happening. Yes, I've talked to a few New England fans and they're like, we're rebuilding. I understand. I'm I'm embracing that culture now. Every team goes into a rebuild. I have to get on board. That's cool and all. But last night, I watched you play the New York Jets. And I'm sitting here looking and I'm like, I don't think you guys want to go to the playoffs. And I don't mean that as far as like, oh, you're either embracing it or you're you want to go to the playoff. No, I just think it would not be a good look for you if you went to the playoffs. This team is not good. We can get past the Belichick facade of oh, Belichick is gonna be able to coach his way around so and so and this or that. This is the New York Jets, and just like just like I expected the Steelers to put 45, 50 points on, <laughs> on a very, very bad Cowboys team, I expected for Cam to trot on this field and finally have the ego game that he's supposed to have. And that doesn't mean 450 yards and four touchdowns or anything like that. No, I don't expect that. But I did expect two, three touchdowns, you know, probably both both rushing, 200 yards in a very, very clean game. But a very clean game to Cam Newton at that time was when he was going 13 for 13, 14 for 14. He threw one incompletion, and it felt like he was mad at the incompletion, not in the fact that he missed a shot for a touchdown. He was being so conservative in this game that it costed New England at least 14 points. He had guys running routes typically for no reason. Because he was either going to check the ball down or the Jets pass rush without their very best pass rusher was getting to him. It just didn't make sense. 
And right before Joe Flacco threw that interception, I, I'm looking at the screen, and I'm like, okay, I know that the Jets have not played very good football uh, going into the second half. I know the Jets are not a complete team. Would the Jets like to win this game? Mm, I don't know. This could mess up their chances in fully tanking because there are other one-win losing teams. So I'm sitting here thinking, hmm, Joe Flacco's probably going to go out right now and fumble or throw a pick. Even though their game plan has been very smart, run through the, the heart of the New England defense because they, they're not stopping it. Frank Gore is rolling through. P. Ryan is rolling through. Then when you need play action, toss the rock around. It was working very well. When it comes to ball control, the Jets had ball control. No matter when New England took the lead or not, the Jets had ball control the entire game. Whether it feels on the offensive side of the ball or the defensive side of the ball. And when you have Bill Belichick's secondary playing sloppy football, you know you are winning the chess match. You know that. And then uncharacteristically, out of the entire game, because the whole game for the Jets offense was run, run, play action, run, 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 design rollout, toss in the flat, run, short pass to the running back, run, run, uncharacteristically, you come out, you're on top, and what do you do? Drop back, bomb, into double coverage, interception. If that right there, if you were a Jets fan and you felt you still wanted to believe in this team or you still thought that there was a chance you could win a game, I know this is going against New England. You would want to win this game over just being like, oh, we're taking for whoever. You would want this just for for the goodness and the chaos of the league. Because that's why I wanted the Jets to win. I wanted the Jets to win just for the chaos. So I can sit here and talk about it. But if you were believing in all that, trust me, as soon as that ball left Joe Flacco's hand, that should have been the giant middle finger to you to let you know the Jets do not want to win games. That should have let you know that the Jets are extremely well coached into losing games. Adam Gates does not care. I bet you literally the play in his helmet was, man, just throw that bitch to somebody else. Because there is no reason to throw that ball into double coverage. There's no reason to take a shot. There's no reason to do any of that. And this is literally looking at the other side of the ball where Cam Newton couldn't even walk on his own feet. Slipping out of the pocket, falling down by himself, throwing balls straight into the dirt, literally doing everything to make sure this Patriots team does not win. It was just bad. It was bad. These primetime games have been bad. You know, at first it had the uh, it had the attention of, oh, it's so great to have football back. You know, you're watching football, even though it's weird with no crowds and all of that. You know, we enjoyed having football back. 
So any game on primetime was nice. Now, now that we've seen some good football, we're like, what the hell? Why does this keep happening? Even before this season, why would we have thought Patriots Jets would make a great Monday night football game? No idea. It is uh, quite baffling to me how, how bad some teams have gotten. So let's let's go through the past few games, the ones that I haven't touched on, um, and we'll continue to talk about how bad teams have gotten, especially like the 49ers. The 49ers are decimated right now. The 49ers have 80 plus million dollars sitting on their bench hurt. $80 million. Jimmy G, Kittle, Raheem Mostert. Like their list looks like a flag football roster list. That's how thick it is. There's nobody on this 49ers team that can push this team over the top. You know, I said that I really liked um, Nick Mullins. I said that he plays really smart football. And then the Packers defense decided they just wanted to come alive and make sure I never say that again. 49ers are dead. That's it. Like, you want to talk about who drank all of the Super Bowl juice and got the hangover? It's the 49ers. It's bad. Um, Texans, Jaguars. I don't know anyone that watched this game. I did not. I don't know any Texans fans that watch this game. I don't know any Jaguars fans that watch this game. I just know it probably wasn't that good, but there were, it was a close game. It was 27, 25. I don't know who cares. The Giants, Washington. The news out of this is that it seems like we need to start calling Washington the DC Theismans, maybe, because it seems like everyone is getting their leg ripped apart in this in this franchise. I don't I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's an aura that they have. I don't know if it's the field that they've been practicing on. I don't know what it is, but it is making very weak legs. And every single quarterback seems to be going down from it. Now, now you bring Dwayne Haskins back. SQB2, and you have Alex Smith starting. This organization is a clusterfuck, and I wish it wasn't because I was cheering for Alex Smith. I was cheering for Ron Rivera. I was cheering for this team to do something better. And it's just it's just sad to see. So from now on, I'm gonna call this team the DC Thiesmans. Because Everyone's walking around with the limp, and it's just not going well. The Ravens and the Colts, it's Phillip Rivers being Phillip Rivers. He got embarrassed <laughs> by, by getting hurtled over after he just slipped on a banana peel, I guess, that nobody saw. And that happened to be that. Oh, come on. I've been telling y'all Philip Rivers is a joke. It's not anything serious. And the Ravens should feel no up in their stock by this win. 
Lamar Jackson played terribly, showed that he should not be on the Madden, uh, Madden cover ever again. They need to decrease all his stats after this year, and they need to normalize him because he, come on, just please just stop. I'm typically not on here as a Lamar Jackson hater, but he's just not good. He's not. Lions Vikings. Well, I mean, are the Vikings back? They're they're just doing that thing that they, I guess, forgot that they could do, that they did last year, and that's just feed Dalvin Cook the ball. It's really all they have to do. If you're relying on Kirk Cousins to win you games, please ask around the league. We know that is a terrible, terrible idea. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? I don't know. Once again, just bad. Uh, The Lions, they beat themselves, and then life beats them, and then you get excited for things that are going on for them, and it it just doesn't work out. Um, This is what happens when... uh, you don't pay Chad Johnson, I guess. I mean, is that what you run into when you have that situation? Uh, Bears Titans. Once again, who cares? The Bears have been the worst winning team next to the Steelers. So I, who cares? Even Bears fans know that they're a bad winning team. And that says a lot. I mean, at least they're conscious of the situation. You know, they're not Steelers fans talking all this shit and it's just. It's just shit, literally. Seahawks, Bills. Now Josh Allen's fans are are back talking about he's in the MVP conversation. Chill out. It's not even close. You beat a Seahawks defense that even Cam Newton showed out on. Like, Cam Newton hasn't had more than 150 yards passing at all. He put, like, almost 4,000 up against the Seahawks. Stop. Anyone can abuse that defense, and that's what's going to hold them back from doing anything far. Because even, 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 even if the Seahawks make this miracle run and go to the Super Bowl, their best chance at winning winning would be facing an underperforming offense in the Pittsburgh Steelers or... Nope, that's that's about it. Or maybe nope, nope, that's it. That's it. Because any any other offense in the AFC will do exactly what the Bills just did. The Titans would do that. The Bills would do it again. The Chiefs would annihilate them. Their defense is not good. Carlos Dunlap came in. Yeah, that's great. Um, you know, Jamal Adams is a difference maker. It just it's not doing it. And Russ. As much as I like seeing Russ cook and all this bullshit, it's great. But if you're going to put him in the position that you put Pat Mahomes in in 2018, where he's got to put up 82 points every game, it's not going to work out. I promise you it's not. Uh, Falcons, Broncos, the Falcons almost do it again against the Broncos. They literally almost do it again. I can't believe. I was scrolling down my Twitter feed and seeing that Drew Locke and the Broncos are coming back on the Falcons. I could not believe it. But every comeback seems to be more and more unbelievable. It's, it's, I don't know. They, they won the game, but the Falcons should just 
They should just stop. Uh, Raiders Chargers, Justin Herbert gets screwed out of another one. Um, I, I don't know how this team decides to lose games. Him and <laughs> I, I don't understand why you have a quarterback that's playing out of his mind and literally every piece of the team is like, <clears throat> nah, he's not going to win this one. It's really bad. Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow are like neck and neck on how much of their team hates them, it seems. Because they both put their teams in prime positions to win games. And that's just it. Nothing else happens. And uh, we'll end it with Chiefs-Panthers. I, I said this last week. And I think uh, I think Thursday and and Tuesday, this was going to be one of those games. This was going to be a game against a good team where the record does not match who the team is, because Teddy Bridgewater is a good quarterback, believe it or not. And then, of course, after seeing that Christian McCaffrey was going to come back, this was one of those games that was set up for this team to lose good team with an underwhelming record you're at home nice weather week before the bye you got a divisional game after the bye so you're kind of like mm, let's look at that it's the one team that has beaten us but that would have been the Chiefs several years ago that actually would have been the Chiefs in 2017 but since this Patrick Mahomes era, this team operates a bit differently. This team operates in a way that a lot of Chiefs fans like me have to stop trying to rip the Band-Aid off and on and off and on and realize that we are now in a different era of football for us. This Patrick Mahomes, Eric Bieniemy, Andy Reid, Steve Spagnuolo coach team and led team is just different. Now, yes, I was up pacing and moving around and all that a little more than I typically do in most regular season games. But that's because, like I just said, I'm I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about the, the regular season losses like this. In 2017, when we lost against the Jets for no entire fucking reason. The times of the perfectly mistimed fumbles a quarterback that can't throw the deep shot when we need one you know all all those things kind of wrapped up in the one little flustered emotion that constantly gets reignited every year it's not the case that is not the case now and what is beautiful about this team is that you look around and you see that We did the crowning jewel. We did the exact perfect process to be able to bottle up what we have. We built from the center. And we went out and we tailored this team to be exactly what Andy Reid has wanted his probably his entire coaching career. He pretty much has the best pieces of each quarterback he's ever coached into one person. He has a stable of running backs that are good at pretty much everything. Great at a few, 
but good at pretty much everything. You have this wide receiving core that for some reason, no matter how far you go down the depth of this wide receiving core, you find new and better surprises each time. Like I have people messaging me about Byron Pringle. (laughs) I like Pringle two years ago. I know people that was on Pringle before I even knew about Pringle. But it's things like that where the whole narrative of, well, Mahomes is, of course, Mahomes is putting up these numbers because he's surrounded by a great cast. Well, yeah, that's what you're supposed to do in the NFL. Remember when Lamar Lamar Jackson was running so well and everybody was putting it on Harbaugh that, oh man, they made a great system for him. This three tight end bunch set, this, this run game. Now they can fool with the play action and Mark Ingram's so good. And yeah, it's called developing a good team. That's what those guys are supposed to do that wear the headsets. So when you sit around and make the excuse to me that Mahomes is only as good as the system or this team, he he's not that great of a quarterback. He's just being carried by his cast. Okay, cool. Put Big Ben in the Giants situation. He's not going to be that great. Put Lamar Jackson in the Broncos uniform. He's not going to be that great. You're supposed to make your team great. If you have a quarterback with a great arm and great vision, you want to get him a speedy receiver. Does that not make sense? And that's why it separates you from being a good team and being a bad one. That's why it separates your team from being able to win games or having that one good player, you know, that one good player that's supposed to just carry a whole bunch of shitty people. That keeps them from winning games. Look at Joe Burrow. (laughs) Look at Herbert. Very good players. The team hasn't been built around them. The team's not good around them. They're not going to win games. They have turned, and it was crazy. I was just about to say this, and I look at and see it in the chat. They have turned the term system quarterback into an insult. How? They say Tom Brady is the king of system quarterbacks. They're trashing on them now because they're like, hi, you, you left your system. And now, now we see who you are. To me, a system quarterback is probably the best compliment because you are in the right fit and the right team. And your coach has made a system that fits you. That's how that should go. Yes, Mahomes is a system quarterback. Because Andy Reid has tailored and made a system for Mahomes. That's why he excels so well. Because when you can make a system that is around your star player, they don't have to think as much. They don't have to second guess as much. It's part of their identity. It's how they play. One of the the most uh, publicized plays from the Panthers Chiefs game was Ferrari Wright. And it was the one where Mahomes sent himself into like an orbit motion, caught the snap mid motion, you know, sprint out, 
lightning through a dot. That play originated from Mahomes goofing around in practice. That was not something that was just drawn up and then they practiced over and over. No, no, no. Mahomes was literally, literally <laughs> catching snaps in mid-motion in practice and just doing it naturally. With the special teams crew, with the offensive line. And Coach Andy was like, well, look, it looks good. No one else is doing it. Let's put it in. Mahomes, Tyreek, both said, Coach, you playing. We're not really going to do it. And then they put it in because Andy Reid and Eric Enemy is making a system for Patrick Mahomes. It's making a system for Tyreek, for Kelsey, for Sammy Watkins, for Nicole Hart. It's what you're supposed to do when you wear the headset. So, yes, Mahomes is a system quarterback. It just happens to be a really damn good system. So with that, (laughs) so with that, we are going to jump to a break. And at the end of that break, we are going to talk about how in the world, how in the world are the Steelers going to stay afloat? Are the Chiefs going to lose a game going into the playoffs? And if we get a 16-team season, Who's going to be able to skate in at the very bottom? Also, shout out to the chat. One thing that I have been super notorious on, and this was uh, since probably the the beginning of last year, before we even won the Super Bowl. I agree. Eric B. Enemy needs to be a head coach somewhere. I, I would hate to see him go. I believe that not only is Andy teaching uh, Enemy, but I think Enemy is teaching Andy a lot of things. So I think that'll be really good. I think there will be an odd transition uh, for the Chiefs when that does happen, but who knows? Um, I think there's just so much continuity in there that maybe, you know, that person's going to have to fit the role, not us fit a new offensive role. Plus, Andy Reid's going to be there. If anything, he's going to take over play calling again. It's not going to be. The other way around. But I've been calling B enemy to Atlanta for quite some time. Um, I I just think it'd be a really good good fit for him. I think if B enemy does go to Atlanta, he may blow all that up and maybe keep Julio unless he can get a good trade offer than who for Julio, then the only person that'd probably be there is Calvin Ridley. I think he would get rid of all of it. But with that being said, we're going to jump to a break and then we will be on the other side in just a moment. Catch you guys then.
so we are back. We are back, back, back. Um, and look, it seems to be a big thing out there right now that I am this notorious Steelers hater, which I'm not. I think I've addressed this several times. I have no ill will. I have gotten over the scrapes and the bruises that the Steelers have given the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. I, I, I don't have any malice towards them at all. Uh, the only reason why I've spoken about them in the light that they have is just because they are a fraudulent team. That's it. I feel the same way about other teams, and I've voiced that. I've said from the start, the Patriots are fake. The Buccaneers are fake. I've said that this entire time. The whole, the whole division of the Philadelphia Eagles, the Washington football team, the Giants, the, come on. I don't even have to call them fake. We just know they are bad. And and no, I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry to the Patriots fandom out there. I don't I guess you guys call yourself Patriots as well. That's really bad, but I'm not buying the salary cap problems. I'm not buying the opt-out problems or the injuries or anything. Everyone in this league is going through the same thing. They're going through being stuffed on. Matter of fact, <laughs> matter of fact, the Chiefs started this offseason with $735. Then it ended up being like $137. It got to the point where most people in their household that have regular jobs that were laid off at that time had more money than the Kansas City Chiefs. And somehow, with that news happening a week later, you drop half a billion dollars on Pat Mahomes. You re-sign Travis Kelsey. You re-sign Chris Jones. It, it literally, this offseason and what Brett Veach has decided to do completely remapped about how I think about teams and their salary cap moves. Because to me, after seeing that, if you want someone, go and get them. If you have somebody, keep them. That's one thing Bill Belichick never wants to do. He never wants to pay anyone. And Tom Brady only gave extra essence to that philosophy because he was like, well, yeah, you know, if I take a cheap deal, then, you know, we can keep other people around me. If Bill Belichick would have just gotten his head out of his ass or, or even higher up, if the front office would have got their head out of their ass, they probably would have kept some really key players on their team. There probably would have been some players that wouldn't have decided to leave in free agency or opt out if they were getting paid sufficiently. But no, it's always the cheap deal because with the Patriots, you know, you're guaranteed at least a playoff run, right? Now you're sitting around with all of those fifth and sixth round picks that you've accrued over this time that you wanted to flip and make superstars, right? Now look at you. That's what the Patriots, <laughs> that's what the Patriots are right now. A bunch of fifth and sixth round picks, maybe some threes around there, and Cam Newton. 
which Cam Newton right now is not playing any better than a third-round pick. It pains me to see Cam play the way that he played last night. Because that's not MVP Cam. That's not game-breaking Cam. That's not the Cam that you, oh, first, second read is gone. He's going to break out, take on a tackle, maybe drag a man, get the first down. No, I, I saw a Cam Newton that looked like he just got brand new feet and didn't know what the hell he was doing. I saw a Cam Newton that was checking down more than Alex Smith. I I don't buy into not having the money. I don't buy into what Belichick said last week. And, oh, you know, we just don't, we only pay Cam Newton a million dollars. You would have only paid. I don't care how much salary. I don't care how much money in the salary cap that Bill Belichick has. He would have only paid Cam Newton a million dollars. That was hilarious to even hear. So, no, it is not a we're cap strapped, we're hurt, we're stop it. No one's getting away with these, these excuses anymore. That's what they are. That's why I put on my Facebook this morning. I pray that no matter what I say on this podcast or my sports beliefs or whatever, I pray that. Big Ben is healthy. Whether if it comes to the double knee injury or if he has COVID or doesn't have COVID, because one of the biggest reasons, that would be the most giant cop-out and excuse for every Steelers fan that I have held accountable this entire year. The second Mason Rudolph is named a starter, that's all it's going to be. Of course we couldn't finish out the season. Big Ben's hurt. Of course we couldn't finish out the season. COVID got us. Stop it. Stop it. That's all it, that is. It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter how phenomenal the defense plays. If they slip on a banana pill or if Big Ben is out, that's all the excuse is going to be. I don't want that. I had a Bengals fan. This is this is how non-threatening the Steelers are. I had a Bengals fan jump on my Facebook feed after I said the Steelers shouldn't talk. And he said, don't worry, they're going to get their ass whooped by my Bengals next week. That's how non-threatening the Steelers are right now. They are undefeated. And the Bengals, with a rookie quarterback, with the rest of the team that seems to not, not want to help him win, their fans are confident that they could put it to the Steelers. And that's what that Cowboys game does. It shines light on how fraudulent the Pittsburgh Steelers are. And it's funny because the Chiefs don't have a game like that. The closest, the closest to that game was the one loss that we have, and that's against the Raiders. And everyone was like, oh, the Raiders have shown a blueprint on how to beat the Chiefs. The same thing happened when we lost to the Patriots. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, well, damn. Um, Pat Mahomes threw a million yards and 45 touchdowns in three games. And we should probably never say that they have blueprint on the Chiefs. It happens every time they say that. 
or we have a slow game. And you know, our, our slowest game still put up 30 plus points. <laughs> the Steelers' slowest game, they're over there praying on the sidelines, looking up, hoping that Garrett Gilbert's uh, AAF MVP caliber drive falls apart. What a difference that is. Because no matter how much we are down in a game, no matter how much I look at the Chiefs and it was like, okay, look, we're down 10 points. We got four minutes left, all three timeouts. Mm, we can make it happen. If the Steelers were down by three, I'm looking at them like, shit, well, you know, are they going to get down the field? I don't really know. James Conner ain't going to run it. And Big Ben's got both of his knees blown out somehow. I don't know how the hell that happens. So we'll just see how it goes. That's bad. That's bad. It is really bad. So, of course, they're going to make it to the playoffs. Who do they see? No idea. I think it would be very unfortunate if they see a team they've already seen this year. Because I think the Titans will wipe them out. I think the Ravens will... We'll see how they play in December. We'll see how that goes. Because I think... I don't, Actually, I'm not going to put any of that. Because I, I tried to put my faith in the Ravens one time. And it did not work out very well. But when you, when I find myself looking at my television and wanting, wanting the Cowboys to win, boy, oh boy, that's a big, that's a big deal. Because I don't know anyone outside of the Cowboy fandom that wants the Cowboys to win. Nobody. Granted, I'm not sitting here like, you know, activated on the TV and just making sure that, no, I'm not that invested. It's still the Cowboys. But I am invested in chaos. I am invested into the league shaking up. And of course, the Steelers should have won that game. It shouldn't even have been a question. I should have been able to put that game on my iPad and not even really focus on it and look down and see the scoreboard going up and up and up for the Steelers. I didn't. That's not what I saw. Now, teams that are going to get a break from me are because they're on a bye. The Eagles, boy, y'all are lucky. Because if I would have saw a bad game from y'all this week, I would have went to town. And I planned on it. But it is okay. Because you will come back in fantastic fashion and you will play the Giants on Sunday. <laughs> and I'm sure that's going to be a full shit show in itself. Falcons, you escaped one. Because I was ready. I was ready because if I had to hear about how Drew Locke diced y'all up, boy, I would have been sick. I would have been sick. So if you haven't heard around the league, um, it is now gone to the highest proposal form that they are looking at changing this, this upcoming playoff situation, which was already changed from the normal 12 team to 14 team. Now they plan on changing it from 14 team to 16 team. Um, and this is 
just in last case scenario of if another team has to shut down and their bye week's already gone, there's no moving around that can be done. Um, there's no scheduled changes that can happen when it comes to elevating or downgrading a game to prime time or not. Like, there's just no scheduled changes that can happen. The backup plan would be to have 16 teams play in the playoffs. Now, for those that have semi-mediocre teams that are kind of in the middle of the pack, this gives you even more hope that your team could make it to the playoffs. Now, if you already believe your team is in the middle of the pack and you don't want to see them play no more games, you're kind of out of luck. But for a fan of the sport, this is where you are right now. And I, quite frankly, depending on how how this Marlon Humphreys to the Steelers, Steelers to the Cowboys, how this whole situation goes about might be the pinnacle of what changes this. Because you have to remember, the Steelers do not have a bye week. Their bye week was gone a long time ago because of the Tennessee Titans. So if the Steelers are in a situation where they have to shut down in the next week or so, this could propose a very interesting situation. And since they are undefeated, if this thing goes into effect, they will already be in the playoffs. So be a very interesting thing to look at, see how things go. I think the Steelers will be the pinnacle of this because of that reason. Um, and then that will lead to the teams being ranked outside of the divisional leaders because the divisional leaders will automatically get put in and then the teams will be ranked accordingly after that. 16 teams in, and then, of course, you go on. Now, this also solidifies the reason that I said probably back in episode one or two where the housing for the Super Bowl is extended for a month. So they have a month's time, especially if they want to do a quote-unquote playoff bubble. I don't think that'll be possible just because... It, <laughs> Housing 16 teams would be ridiculous. Now, granted, it would go down dramatically in a you know two-day span because I would assume you would escalate the games. You wouldn't have, you know, two games a, a day or anything like that. You'll probably try to get most of the matchups you can in two days. So then, you know, your population decreases immediately and then you can continue on. But there's no Pro Bowl this year, or at least they said they're going to do an adjusted Pro Bowl. There's no Pro Bowl. Um, and then you're adding more teams, so you're almost looking at the same time span. I don't see you doing a playoff bubble. Now, maybe when you get to your conference championships, conference championship and Super Bowl will be in the same place. But... Yeah, I just don't see it happening. So we'll keep an eye on that. We'll keep an eye on if the league decides to do that. I believe it probably will be. And I believe that we need to keep an eye on the Steelers and the Ravens and other teams that have had similar situations. Because, you know, lately it's kind of been brushed over. It's been like, oh, well, you know. Just shut down the facility, let it get clean, sanitized, cool. Everyone's back in the next day. That, you know, that person is quarantined and will be back after they test negative five times. 
Well, now you have several teammates. Now we're going from one person to a small outbreak. That changes everything. So when you look at that, who barely skates in? Who, who are the 15, 16 seeds that barely skate in just because we have extra teams in there right now? Now, you're not going to see the Jets in here. You're not going to see the Jaguars in here. I, I just don't see it happening. Um, but believe it or not, teams like the Patriots could skate in. Teams like the Falcons, if they at least continue to win some more games, could skate in. Now, the Falcons is going to be a little harder because they have two teams battling for the top spot. But, I mean, <laughs> it could happen. I don't see the Chargers making it. I do see the Raiders making it. Um, if you didn't hear on a previous episode, uh, I had a friend of mine call that it was going to be a chart. No, he said a Raiders Chiefs AFC championship game. Which means he also does not believe in the Steelers and also he believes it's going to be an all AFC West championship. I, I don't see it happening. And I think John Gruden would have to sacrifice two bodies to be able to make it because look, I, I don't know if anyone has noticed, but the Chiefs are in cruise control right now. And I mean cruise control on like a busy freeway where, you know, between spots, you got to, you know, turn cruise control off, turn it on real quick, you know, flip, flip. Then you can flip it back on, roll it out. That's where the Chiefs are right now. The most complete game that the Chiefs have played was against the Ravens. And they balled out on the Ravens. Since then, they've been like, we know who we are. We know we can get done. That may have been a detriment when it comes to the Raiders game, but that's been their that's been their mentality. They're out there having fun. They're doing their own thing, chilling, but you know, making the plays. Defense definitely has to get their shit together, but that's where they are. There isn't another team that is in that groove right now. There isn't another team that has that confidence to be able to do that. And um, it's going to be really bad when the flip turns on and they're rolling after this buy. Because after this buy, that's when you're supposed to see real football. You know, they're always like November, December football. That's real football. Okay, well, we're about to see it. And you know who the Chiefs see? They see the Raiders prime time. Sunday night, November 22nd. Oh, what a what a grand day. It's the 22nd. It's primetime. We finally don't see a trash primetime game. John Gruden is going to talk about how he's going to have to, you know, because he said he would sacrifice his left nut to beat the Chiefs. Well, what are you going to do now? Because you beat them. What, what are you going to sacrifice next? Then after that, after the Raiders, you get the Buccaneers in a team where Brady better have his shit together by then, November 29th. Then Broncos, 
Dolphins. So we get to see Mahomes versus Tua. Then Mahomes versus Drew Brees right after that. Then Mahomes versus Matt Ryan right after that. It's going to be very interesting. I will guarantee you this, though. The Chiefs will be a different football team after this bye. Especially if they do something like, uh, I don't know, sign Terrell Suggs again. Because we just had a DN that went out from injury. And it's been told to me and several others that Suggs has kept very, very close contact since last year. Or sign Tack McKinley if he clear, clears waivers. Wisniewski was let go from the Steelers. He just cleared waivers. We could definitely use the offensive lineman help that he helped us in the Super Bowl. This team is going to be a different team. And what's crazy is that Raiders, Buccaneers, that would be an interesting back-to-back showing on seeing that. I think if Tom Brady doesn't get his shit together, he's going to let a very up-and-down defense. I mean, they're very op- oper- <laughs> they 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 just don't. They don't see the defense that Spags has put up in their division. And if the Saints defense, which I believe is not very good at all, did what they did to him, he's got a couple weeks. He's going to have to get it together. He's going to have to get it together. Or it will be Mahomes over Brady again. Mahomes has a little Hall of Fame tour going on right now. I don't put Matt Ryan in there, but. You got Brady, Drew Brees, Tua, Chargers, I mean, uh, Herbert. It's a nice little quarterback tour to go on to end the season. But also, if he gets out of this at the same rate and throws 45 touchdowns and less than five interceptions, there is no way. No way. You don't look at Pat Mahomes and it's like, well, here we are again. We have to give this motherfucker some more gold. And then look at him in the playoffs and see if he's going to get some more. What a damn shame. I remember when Tom Brady was in that conversation. I remember when Russell Wilson was in that conversation. Josh Allen. Aaron Rodgers. Now look at us. Right back here. Now, are we going to be in a situation where it's like we're giving a second place by default? Because that's what happened with Lamar Jackson last year. Because you're going to tell me that a dude that went out, still did what he did, dislocated his kneecap, came back two weeks later through 400 plus yards, and then went on and took his team to the playoffs. You're telling me that that dude wasn't the MVP? But just because he broke Mike Vick's record in rushing, which turned out so well for them in the playoffs that Lamar Jackson is the MVP and the Madden cover guy. Get out of my face. Get out of my face. Let Lamar Jackson win a game, like win a game, not beat some fumble fuck team, not run against the dolphins or whatever. No, 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 no. I need him to win a game because boy, when he steps the line over postseason, 
when he steps that postseason line over, he's even worse than he is now, and he's not that good. And I'm not just talking about as a, at the throw of football. That's what a lot of people want to go to. Oh, he's a much better runner than he is a thrower. That is a fact, but he's just not good. His vision has not improved. His throw mechanics have not improved. It's, it's just bad. Now, I'm hearing that the Ravens are going to get smacked on Sunday. <laughs> I will save that for Thursday. I will not go fully in on all that because I'm going to do some more uh, film diving in and watching some stuff before I get into that. So I'm not going to do early predictions for next week, especially I get a little more relaxed because I don't have to dive into Chiefs film because we're on a buy. So that's great for me. I don't mind that at all. So what I will do though is leave you guys off with this. So I talked about doing another giveaway. I have contacted some of the people that I work alongside with. um, And we've talked everything from Signed jerseys, signed footballs, uh, signed mini helmets, maybe plaques, signed tickets, all those kind of things. But I have not, I've not received the interaction that I've wanted uh, to be able to do that because I've already done one. Now we're rolling into two. I said episode 10 is going to be the big like reveal and all that. I'm not going to do it then to be quite honest. So I'm going to do a cross promotion with the team that um, is putting together this giveaway with me. Once we get the post and the requirements and all that, I am going to post it on social media. When I do that, I will only announce that I've posted it on live. It will not be next episode. It will just be on a live episode. So, of course, what do you have to do to be able to know about this about this whole giveaway? What do you have to know to get a signed jersey from you don't know yet? Signed helmet, signed football, plaque, whatever it may be, you, you have no idea. It will be some sort of signed sports memorabilia. It will be by someone that you know. It won't be some random offensive tackle that you've probably never heard of. I'm not going to do y'all like that. What do you need to know <laughs> or how, how do you need to find out? You need to come on here on Poppy. Follow me on here. So, you know, every time that I go live. And when that happens, you will know exactly when the giveaway happens. Every time you come into the to the chat, share. I see everything that y'all doing here. So when y'all do that, guess what? I'm gonna be like, Psh, maybe that person, because I'm gonna be real with y'all. It's not gonna be random. It's not going to be, I'm gonna look into a hat and be like, mm, yep, it's this person. Or how the way I'll do it is every interaction, I'll put your name in another time. That's how I'll do it. So we'll do it like that. Every time you interact, every time you're in the chat or you share the show or whatever it may be, I'll put your name in again. Once I put together this giveaway package, I will share it first on here. And then we will go from there. So interact, interact, interact. I named this podcast The Voice of Fandom because it is to interact with fandoms of other teams. It's the whole purpose. So with that being said, I am going to let you guys go 
for today. Thursday, we're going to do game previews. Uh, we're going to dive into a little, a little film stuff. Not going to lie. We're going to dive into a little film stuff and talk some, talk some other football. And then of course, um, we'll do some pickums. We'll do some injury updates. We'll do all of that stuff. Noise around the league. Who's trash? Who's not? You know, the normal Thursday shit. So with that being said, it is, what's today's date? I don't even know. <laughs> it is November 10th, 2020, and I am out of here. Thank you for listening to the Voice of Fandom podcast. You can join live every Tuesday and Thursday by downloading the Podbean app or listen to audio playback exclusively through the Kansas City Podcast Network, available by app download or anywhere else you choose to listen to your podcasts. Introducing touch-free payments from PayPal, a safe way for your customers to pay. Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Whether you're a market seller, I'll take two tomatoes and a poodle pamperer, <laughs> piano tuner, or plumber, signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. Touch-free QR code payments. Shop safe with PayPal. 911, what's your emergency? Senora, me está diciendo que un tren le pegó a una camioneta? Sí, yo pensé que quería cruzar, el hijo iba rápido, creo, y después. ¡Ay, Dios mío, qué horror! No puedes saber a qué velocidad viene un tren. Por eso están los señalamientos de advertencia. Obedécelos. Alto, el tren no para. Mensaje de Netza.